welcome back to Product Marketing Experts Season 2. Thank you for being with us. And today, I am so excited to have with me Leah Bright from Gusto. Lee and I have an amazing conversation about competitive intelligence and enablement. It's one of those activities that is a core pillar, or two core pillars, really, of product marketing. Yet these pillars often get deprioritized because of go-to-market activities or because of all of the requests we get. Lee and I have an incredible discussion about the importance of these two pillars within product marketing and how you as a team can learn so much from not only what your customers are saying, from what the market is saying, and from your competitive data as well. Stay tuned for this episode to learn more. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. Clue is the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers that want to drive revenue for their business. It helps product marketers to easily collect, curate, and distribute insights that enable your revenue teams to beat their competition. Welcome back to season two of the Product Marketing Experts podcast. Today, I am so excited to have with me Leah Wright, head of product marketing for core products at Gusto. Gusto is an incredible company and one that's definitely caught my eye recently for their messaging and the space that they're in. And I'm really excited to have Leah with me today. So welcome to the podcast, Leah. Thank you for being here. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and your role at Gusto? Hi, Jeff. Great. Thanks for having me. I'm Leah Bright and the head of product marketing for core products at Gusto. And so my job is really to enable a team focused on helping Gusto achieve success in market through the delivery of the right products positioned correctly to the right audience, while also enabling our commercial teams to sell more effectively in market. And we do that through a deep focus on customer needs, strong cross-functional relationships with product sales, customer success, biz ops, finance, you know, the whole gang, an outcome orientation approach and strategic data driven in our decision making. I love that. Product marketing really is the cross-functional glue, so to speak, to an organization. And all those teams you mentioned are incredibly important to not only our success, but the broader company's success. So I love that. So as product marketers and as leaders within an organization, it's really crucial that we stay connected to the market, right? And one important aspect of doing that is really being aware of what our competitors are doing. So I'd love to talk to you a little bit about competitive intelligence. And maybe just to dive in here, how do you and the product marketing team at Gusto handle competitive intelligence? Maybe you can give us a little bit of an overview. Like, do you have dedicated people for it? Or maybe is it a part of what every PMM on the team does? You know, all that type of stuff. Sure. It's a good question. And one that uh, I think every company handles differently, just depending on the space that you're in and how you have your team structured. From a philosophical perspective, I think it's important to start with the outcome that you want to achieve or the decision that you need to make when you're thinking about how you're going to structure your competitive intelligence program. And that will help you just achieve the most success for your organization. And so to that end, we actually have three different CI programs that each allow us to achieve something a little bit different. So the first one is a competitive Slack channel. And so this is a great place where we just crowdsource across all of Gusto, the movements that folks are seeing in market. This really mobilizes the power of the whole organization. And what I really like about it is it gets everyone invested in the effort because everyone has a role to play. And from there, folks will tag other folks that have a particular interest in that topic. And in that thread, you know, they'll go pretty deep. They'll explore the best way to utilize that information and any type of follow-up that might be warranted. So another is that we have quarterly competitive intelligence that we conduct. And so we've got this pretty massive spreadsheet and we partner with different orgs within Gusto to flesh those out and to make sure that we're keeping a pretty standard beat on the market. 
And because it is happening on a quarterly cadence, it does make it more repeatable for us and easier to do. But of course, the downside of that is going to be if the market shifts quite a bit in a quarter, like for example, when a pandemic hit, you know, we had to dive in and do that a little bit off cycle to look at what was happening in the market, just to make sure that we were staying up to date. And so that's kind of where the third one comes in. And it's generally part of go to market for all new products or can be done at any time if we do see a huge shift in the market. And so this just ensures that we can achieve competitive differentiation in our messaging and our positioning when we do take that new product to market or make sure that we're always using the best and most recent data when we're making decisions. And so another thing that you asked that I think is important is just how to structure this on a team. And the white way to structure it is just going to depend on your company. So we have PMMs that are part of more or less like business units that are going after different segments. And because we are so focused on those customer segments and in doing that work on behalf of those customers. We want our PMMs and frankly, everyone in the org to be customer obsessed and really go deep on those customers rather than going broad. And we have four distinct segments that we're going after. And so it's much more effective for us to have our PMMs align with those segments rather than go vertically. However, if you have more of a platform-based product with a more singular buyer persona, I think horizontal ownership can be really effective. That makes a ton of sense. And I love the customer obsession within product marketing teams. It really is the key to not only understanding your competitors, but understanding your buyers as well. And it really provides a good foundation, right? For every PMM as they learn about if a new PMM is coming into your market or into your team, as they learn about your company, your solution, your differentiation and your space. Great. So as you think about that quarterly report, I'm curious, like what type of data do you gather that goes into that? Are you gathering data on, you know, competitors' press releases. Can you just share like a little bit more about, you know, what are you looking at? What are some of the inputs, I guess, so to speak into that quarterly report? Yeah, you bet. So we're going to look at a variety of information that, you know, once again, is going to help our sellers sell more effectively in market. So we're going to look at pricing and packaging. We're going to look at messaging and positioning. We're going to look at products that they've recently gone to market with and the features that those products have. We're going to look at what marketing methods and channels are they using? You know, are they getting traction with these types of messages versus these types of messages? A lot of times your competitors marketing can give you new ideas on messages that you might want to try in market while also, of course, taking into consideration that you want to stick to your brand message. It can be really easy to get sucked in too much to competitive intelligence. And so, you know, we use it as a way to ensure that we're achieving differentiation in market, but certainly it can be a suck to becoming me too as well. For sure. And one thing you just said there that was interesting, you use it as a way to achieve differentiation in market. How do you measure that? Are you measuring kind of share of voice? Is it just solely based off of revenue or some of the kind of core KPIs that the product marketing team is measured by? Yeah. So we will look at when we go up against competitors, we'll look at how often we go up against those competitors in market. We will look at win rate. When I was at SpotX, certainly share of voice was something that we looked at very often to track how well our messages were gaining traction in market. I would say that was probably one of the top three metrics that as a marketing organization overall, we were tracked on. So yeah, various methods to make sure that we're differentiated, but even more than differentiated, right? That you're getting traction and that your target is resonating with the messages that you're putting out. For sure. Yeah. I love that. So internally at Iterable, one of the things I've recently done is, you know, encouraged, I have one individual on my team who is really passionate about competitive intelligence and more so the data side of it, digging into the data and analyzing the trends. And he loves it. And I love the fact that he's passionate about it too. And we've really set up a program to look at those kind of win rates and loss rates for that matter as well by competitor quarter over quarter. And then we're also looking at like, how are competitors changing messaging? How are our buyers moving? 
like and tying a cross section between some of these things. And we're finding some really interesting insights based off that that we're able to share across our sales team, our CS team, our management team, et cetera. Mm, that's cool. How do you guys package those up and sell them or shop them across those different segments within your teams? Yeah, it's a great question. So right now, the product marketing team is fairly small at Iterable. It's five people, myself included in that number. And so as we think about distributing or communicating the insights that we're gathering, we largely do it to a leadership group and we share broader insights to the entire company. But we want to dive deeper. We want to provide more enablement, more distinct talking points. We haven't done that quite yet, but it's definitely on our list of things to do the, the remainder of the year. Yeah, sure. Great. So I'm personally a pretty big proponent of, you know, the deals that we lose or even, you know, the projects that don't go according to plan can teach us a whole lot, not only about ourselves, but about, you know, how we can potentially do better as well. So curious, like, how do you, and kind of piggybacking off the last question as well, how do you and the PMM team at Gusto learn and drive change throughout the organization based off the competitive intelligence that you're gathering on that quarterly basis or, or on a more regular basis? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think the reasons that we win and the reasons that we lose are some of the most useful pieces of data that we can collect because you can learn so much by, you know, why your target market is choosing the competitor and also why they're choosing you. I think oftentimes there can be a little bit too much of a focus on why you're not getting chosen and you can lose sight of those strengths that are driving a lot of success for you in market. So that's, we definitely look at both sides of that coin. And regarding the loss detail, we're actually in the process of setting up a more formalized win-loss program right now. To date, it's really been done in a more ad hoc fashion where someone involved in the sale believes that there's a particularly insightful perspective that the prospect, you know, whether we won them or lost them could share. And so a number of cross-functional folks will jump on the phone call with their permission. Of course, we'll record that call and gong so that we can democratize the access to that information. And we can all learn as much from that as possible, but it's certainly something that in past organizations that I've worked at, win losses is such a treasure trove of data. And so I'm really looking forward to getting that established at Gusto. I love that. It sounds like you're jumping on key moments and opportunities where there are learnings and then sharing them more broadly internally, of course, with permission, right? But sharing them more broadly internally so that everyone can learn and everyone as a broader Gusto team can kind of level up, so to speak. As the saying goes, a rising tide lifts all boats, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's really incredible. Internally within Iterable, and maybe you do something similar, the way I like to classify it is we have kind of tier one competitors that we see fairly often in a lot of deals. And we don't have this official classification. This is kind of just my way of organizing it in my own mind. But we have kind of these tier one competitors that we see in a lot of deals. And then we have tier two competitors that come up occasionally throughout the year, but not terribly often. And I think for us, and similar with Gusto, I imagine we're in a very competitive market, right? And so with a fairly small PMM team, with a very competitive market, and a sea of competitors that are out there, it's virtually impossible to keep track and produce enable materials and all sorts of things on every single competitor that's out in the market. So it's important for us to prioritize, but with requests coming in from virtually every single sales rep and occasionally some CSMs who are you know going through renewals and whatnot, I'm curious, like how do you find the signal through some of that noise? Yeah, I think it's an important question. I think, you know, once again, you've got to start with the outcome that you're trying to achieve. Sometimes competitive intelligence can very much be in service of solving a core problem that you're having and better serving your customers. And sometimes you can definitely get caught up in the sea of competitive intelligence out there. And it can be easier to lose your North Star if you get too caught up in all of that data. So always keep in mind, you know, what is your North Star? Who are you as a company? What are you trying to achieve? And because we have such a mission-driven business at Gusto, I 
think it is easier than it has been at past organizations that I've worked at to really keep in mind, what are we trying to achieve as an organization? And there is just so much alignment around that, that I think it's easier for us to not lose track of servicing the customer and creating a better world where work empowers a better life. So for us, you know, we sift through the data and then we're looking at how can we better carve out that differentiation and market that will help us better sell and, and better service those customers. Because at the end of the day, we believe that we have the strongest product in market that's going to help all those organizations take care of their hardworking teams. And I think through the pandemic, for example, you know, we really saw, and I'm so proud of the work that everyone at Gusto did because it was a very difficult time for small businesses. And in service of our customers, you know, Gusto really went out and we worked with banks to make sure that small businesses could get loans. We published a ton of information about how to access those PPP loans and then all the different options that small businesses had and gave them some advice and counsel on the best way to utilize those funds to keep their businesses afloat and to take care of those hardworking teams when they were at a moment of crisis, quite honestly. So I think it's important just to keep in mind, you know, who you are as a brand, what you are trying to achieve and let that be the center of your decision-making for everything, including, you know, whether it makes sense to conduct competitive intelligence and how much of that data to send out to your organization. I love your North Star there. And I love that it seems to at least filter through everything that you do as a product marketing team and throughout the organization as well. There is certainly a danger that even with that potentially North Star that you can get too focused on competitors and kind of fall into a place where you do follow them to some extent. And I think that is a danger since product marketing is typically responsible for competitive intelligence. It can become this kind of cycle, so to speak, of latching on to everything competitors are doing. And that can be a danger. But it sounds like you're very focused on what's happening with your customers in the market. Competitive intelligence is important, but it's not fundamentally dictating everything that Gusto is doing. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like through the pandemic that you've really deepened your relationship with a lot of customers too. You, you were just talking a little bit about providing information and data about getting loans and then how to actually use that money and, and so forth and so on. So it sounds like that's deepening the relationship a customer has with you. And maybe from a competitive lens, that's harder than for you know maybe some competitors to take some of those customers away, so to speak. Yeah, I think we have seen the pandemic strengthen relationships with a lot of our customers because we have shown up for them in a way that a lot of folks in the industry just haven't. We are a nimble organization and I saw us mobilize and change directions faster than I honestly thought was possible. And so I'm grateful for all the flexibility that folks have and all the adaptability within Gusto that folks have to not lose sight of what we're trying to do. And so there were long nights and I'm not saying it was easy, you know, teams spent a considerable amount of time and effort and had to shift plans and throw away months worth of very good, very hard work because it just no longer made sense for our customers and it no longer made sense for the market. But I am very thankful for the ways that we've showed up for our customers during that time. Amazing. And a lot of times in that planning process, we plan so heavily. And yet as the market shifts and, and as unforeseen things come up like the pandemic, right? We have to shift directions and have to be adaptable with the market. And that can be a painful exercise, certainly when you're throwing away months worth of work. I've certainly been there myself and my team has been certainly as well. That can be painful, but it's at the end of the day, it's worth it. Yeah, absolutely. So we've been talking a lot about competitive intelligence, but I think there's another side to this coin that probably doesn't get talked about enough, frankly, which is around enablement, right? Based off all of the intelligence that we're gathering, we then need to actually enable our sales team or CS team or just others throughout the business on those insights that we are gathering, right? And so I'm curious, how do you enable your internal teams around that data that you're gathering around competitors? 
Yeah. When I think about enablement, I think the most important thing is to meet your target, you know, your internal customers where they are. And so for me, that includes two key components, which is providing the enablement in the most useful format and using a system that they're already in the habit of referencing. So salespeople are busy and it's our jobs as the folks that are going to prepare that sales enablement to really put it in a format that's easiest for them to use. And for sales folks, that often means snippets or emails that they can copy and paste directly from and sample scripts that help them drive a conversation with a prospect. I think we've probably all been in a situation before where we gave something to a sales team and it got copy and pasted in not the right context because it was like for internal purposes only. So just go ahead and avoid that headache altogether and give them something that's copy and pasteable for them to use directly out of the box. And from a systems perspective, don't require them to adopt yet another tool. It's going to be an uphill battle for you and it's one that you're not likely to win. So if you want to see the assets that you create get utilized, then put it in commonly used places like Slack or your CRM, you know, whatever that is. And so I think for that, it's key to get buy-in up front, make it a collaborative process, meet with your sales leads, meet with individual sellers that you think are doing a really great job and do some requirements gathering. Ask them, what is their process? What systems would be easiest for them to use? What type of formats do they want to see that information in? And then I think it's also easier on the back end to hold them accountable. So if you aren't seeing the adoption and utilization of those materials in a way that you expected, and maybe they agreed to, it's easier to have a conversation about the why, and they're going to help you solve that problem because they were brought in from the beginning. I love that. And a lot of times I think as PMMs, we think so much about go-to-market strategy, right? In the context of product launches and how we do market research to nail the right positioning and messaging. And it's kind of that same framework can really apply to everything we're talking about here, right? Like doing that same level of research internally with your internal teams about what they need, what they're seeing, what they're hearing, and meeting them where they are in terms of the materials that they want and need to win these deals is so critically important. Obviously the output's a little bit different, but I think a lot of the process or the foundations of that is fairly similar. I couldn't agree more. I think that's such a key insight. And honestly, the best PMMs that I've worked with have said that explicitly. And PMMs that I've seen struggle to form those strong cross-functional relationships don't really realize that your internal customers are just like your external customers and you've got to treat them the same way. And that if you're not seeing, you know, I think as PMMs, if we're not seeing the adoption in market of our products that we're expecting, we're going to take responsibility for that. But I haven't seen the same level of ownership about the internal ways that we need to influence our org. And I think the best PMMs do that really well. I'm curious how you think about that and how you have thought about internal customers and you know segmentation of those internal customers, profiles of the customers and how you meet their needs. It's a great question. I think about it very similarly to you and what you were saying just there. We're getting a lot of requests in product marketing, right? We are that center of strategy behind sales and marketing and customer success and all of these various groups, ops, et cetera, as well. And a lot of times we are planning themes as we see that are coming up in the roadmap or we see that are happening in the market as we see coming up in maybe closed loss data, for example. And we're planning these themes for quarters. And then Based off that, we can fairly easily prioritize kind of our internal customers and our internal stakeholders as well. And it really gives us a good data-driven approach to say, hey, we can't actually prioritize this right now because we've gotten so many requests for this other thing or producing these enablement materials around this competitor or to do something else. And it really provides a response, I guess, that's not filled with emotion. And I think that's a challenge that a lot of people can get into. It's like, well, you know, I'm in this deal again. 
against XYZ competitor and I really want to win it, right? And people get emotional about it. It's like, well, that competitor has only come up once in the past 12 months, let's just say. So I understand we want you to win that deal as well, but let's look at the slightly bigger picture here. And I think that can be critically important and forming those relationships and even you know being frank and having that view can actually go a long way. Yeah. And do you all publish some of that information up front in terms of, hey, here are our key themes. Here's how we're thinking about stack ranking, some of the priorities we have, or how do you get alignment across the org on those? Yeah. Yeah. And do you all publish some of that information up front in terms of, hey, here are our key themes. Here's how we're thinking about stack ranking, some of the priorities we have, or how do you get alignment across the org on those? Yeah, it's something we're working on internally, but yes, we are starting to publish them internally priorities on a half a year basis. So we set priorities for half one and half two, and then those will change naturally quarter to quarter as the market shifts, as the competitive landscape shifts, as our own kind of plan shifts and plan and plan and strategy, I should say shifts as well. So we definitely communicate them out on kind of a, a half basis, and then we'll adjust that kind of guidance as we need from month to month. And then I think keeps everyone fairly aligned and for any kind of ad hoc requests. I certainly have a lot of kind of Slack notifications of people coming to me saying, hey, can like product marketing help with that? Or can we get intelligence on this competitor? Or, you know, what do you guys think about this new vertical popping up or, or whatever the case may be? We get a lot of those types of requests and we try to handle some of them that seem fairly important or at least poignant for where the future direction of our product and our market is headed in our view. And then for the ones we have to deprioritize, we try to tie it into why we're deprioritizing that as well to say, we get this is important but here's why we can't focus on this right now. How about yeah, yourself? Yeah, very similar. You know, trying to make sure that everyone has got alignment and what our priorities are from the beginning and checking in with folks to say, hey, what are your priorities as an organization? Let's make sure our priorities are in alignment. We're not going to have clashes later on in the quarter because we didn't check in from the beginning. So anytime that we're forming our OKRs and we're establishing, okay, what's the impact that we want to have on the organization this half of the year, this quarter, we check in with all of our cross-functional stakeholders and we say, hey, if you've got feedback, now's the time because we want to make sure that we're in alignment. That way we can work in rapid succession to support all these initiatives throughout the quarter. And I think that open communication and that ability to also re-examine throughout the quarter as things do shift and change, being open to having those conversations and not being rigid about it, I think is key to success. Totally agree. And for, I mentioned that the term tier one a little bit earlier on in our conversation. So for some of our tier one competitors and for a lot of our cross-functional product teams as well, we have what we call internally tiger teams, where it's this cross-functional group with members of sales, CS, management leadership, product, product marketing, et cetera. And all of these folks are gathering to talk about the topic at hand. And when it comes to competitors, we're talking about how do we prioritize this on a monthly or quarterly basis? And it really allows us to get that kind of true input from what they're hearing from prospects or customers on day in and day out basis. So prioritize the market, prioritize the customer, and then allow us to adjust our strategy as a result of that as well. Yeah, it makes sense. That's very cool. So especially in a time when everyone's remote and spread out, how do you keep everyone on the same page? Do you primarily just like communicate out via public Slack channels or do you have like maybe an internal wiki? I'm curious how, like, how are you keeping people aligned internally around the enablement and intelligence that you're gathering? Yeah, I think it all depends on the type of information we're trying to disseminate, but specifically for the competitive intelligence and then enablement materials, we try to meet folks where they are, which for us, there are some folks that exclusively use Slack and really hardly ever check their emails at Gusto. And then we have folks that operate really in both channels. So we're trying to publish really both places there. And then we do have an internal wiki that we put quite a bit of information on. And I think key to making sure that everyone is on the same page is not just putting out the information in the right channels, but also tracking 
their usage. And so once again, when it comes to treating your internal customers, like your external customers, you know, we would never imagine as marketers publishing any type of content online and not tracking what the hits were, what the click through rates were. And so we try to do the same thing internally. So looking at viewer trends and things like Google docs to see which teams are utilizing the resources and how often they're getting utilized. Then if they're not getting utilized as often as we expected them to, then chat with them, understand the why, and then we can make sure to pivot and adjust that way. What we're publishing is hitting the mark and driving the maximum amount of change and success that we can in the organization. And I think finally for bigger investments, we always follow up with a survey to say, Hey, did this hit the mark? What would we do differently next time? What was your favorite thing about X, Y, and Z that we published? That way we're continually collecting that data and we're making sure that we're always on a path of continual improvement. I love that feedback follow-up idea. That's definitely one I may take it. Product marketing is a service center in many regards, right? So we need to ensure that the materials that we're providing are helpful and consistently being refined. So they're meeting people where they are, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe one last question here. As a leader, how do you think about and ensure that your team is balancing their time on competitive intelligence in all the other priorities that they have, right? Like competitive intelligence isn't the only thing that we as PMMs focus on, unless you have a dedicated CI PMM, but it's likely you know, not the only thing that your team is focusing on. So how do you ensure that they are truly balancing based off the North Star that you have and all the other priorities that you set on your team? Yeah, I think it comes back to what is that outcome that you're trying to achieve and does that CI that you're going to be conducting help you achieve that? And then when you look at the level of effort that's going to be required for that versus the anticipated impact that you think it's going to have on the organization, does this CI activity stack rank higher than any other thing that you could spend your time on? So I think we're constantly looking at the input required versus the output that we're going to get and looking at prioritization from that way. You know, we just kind of talked about setting objectives on a quarter basis. And when you're doing so communicating to stakeholders, not just what you're doing, but what you're aiming to achieve and what your metrics for success are and the choices and trade-offs you've thought about when you're making those choices. I think oftentimes we as PMM and really, frankly, everyone across the org can do a good job of communicating what they're doing, but not necessarily the why and the thought process behind it. And I think that folks are so much more likely to feel like they're on that journey with you. If you share them a little bit about why you made the decisions and the hard choices and trade-offs you've sometimes had to make to get there and how this allocation of your team's time is going to achieve the maximum impact. So I think expectation setting is pretty key here. I agree. Yeah. Expectation setting is paramount, especially when product marketing is pulled in virtually a million different directions, right? And there's a lot of different priorities, but that goal setting and aligning those expectations that lead back to the North Star that you talked about is critically important and will guide your mission as a product marketing leader and as a broader team as well. So thank you so much for joining me today, Leah, and taking the time. I really appreciate it. And as we close this out, one question that I really like to ask all of my guests is around learning. I'm a fairly big reader. I have kids, so I wish I got the chance to read a bit more, but I listen to a lot of podcasts as well, and even audiobooks. I've, I've recently started listening to audiobooks. So I'm curious if there are any books or maybe podcasts that you've listened to recently that have impacted you or your career. Yeah. And I love that you're now asking about podcasts, because uh, I think that from listening to several episodes on this particular podcast, that all the key books have been covered, right? Like everyone's reading the same books, which is awesome. But I think podcast is such a treasure trove of great information. And so one podcast that I listen to pretty religiously is Hidden Brain. I just think it's a masterful combination of science and storytelling. Uh, and I'm a total NPR junkie, so I love almost anything NPR. But I think it really helps listeners better understand the world and themselves. It's all about what drives human behavior and the biases that shape our choices. And so I always find myself walking away from an 
different episode, better understanding the complexities of human beings. And I find that it helps me have better interactions and relationships with my coworkers. I better understand my customers. And it's, it's really key, I think, for PMM to have a ton of empathy for your customers and have strong cross-functional relationships. And the podcast does help you improve your ability to do both of those things. Although at like a much higher, less tactical level, there's, there's got to be some interpretation on your part, but I think it's a, a time, time well spent. That's amazing. I'm definitely going to have to look out for, for that podcast and, and give it a listen. Well, thank you so much for being here, Leah. Appreciate it. And hope you have an awesome day. Thank you so much, Jeff. It's been a pleasure to chat with you and I hope you have a nice long weekend. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode with Leah. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. And next week, I have a really special guest with me, Alex Gamelgard, the Senior Director of Go-To-Market at ActiveCampaign. This is an incredible conversation that you're going to want to stay tuned for. So tune in next week with us. Thank you. With Clue, you can build and deliver battle cards to help sales close more deals. Stay on top of your competitors' strategies and measure your competitive program's impact to the bottom line. Don't just compete, compete to win.